You're listening to the podcast of Christ Church in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We hope these sermons help you to know God through Christ by deepening your belief in the gospel. This evening's reading comes from Luke 2, 22 through 35. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child of Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And and, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father, we do pray now that you would fix in us your humble home. Uh, We pray now that our eyes might be fixed on Christ. Come first as a baby, uh, sacrificed for us as a suffering servant ascended as king, and now we await his return. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Be seated. I hope this time of Advent has been helpful for you, this lighting a new candle each week, uh, this, these marching through these themes of hope and joy and love, and today peace. Has it been helpful for you as we've considered these themes throughout several birth narratives of Christ. Next year we hope to do something similar, perhaps in somewhere else with these four themes, somewhere else in the Bible. But I hope this has been good for us. It's been helpful for my own heart and soul. Just like hope and love and joy, uh, peace is a word that gets thrown around a lot around this time of year. You see it on Christmas ornaments. Perhaps you've got an ornament that just says peace on it. You see it hung on buildings You hear folks talk about Christmas as being a time to like renew our hopes in efforts for world peace. And perhaps that isn't totally unfounded. Maybe you've heard of the story in World War I where the first Christmas, German and French and British troops basically called a one-day truce. And they met in no man's land and they exchanged gifts. They sang Christmas carols. They even enjoyed a friendly game of soccer on Christmas Day. Then the next day, they went back to killing one another. Uh, But if Christmas could halt the carnage for a day or two in 1914, some of us might think, well, maybe just the Christmas spirit might produce some kind of peace that is deeper and perhaps even longer lasting. 
But as we thought about through this Advent season, what in the world is the Christmas spirit? Like the Christmas spirit can't produce anything. If the Christmas spirit is just sentimentality, some emotions that we feel around this time of year, it's just some vague, amorphous, hard to put your finger on it, sentimentality where we're generous towards one another and kind for 24 hours, 48 hours, maybe a few weeks even, then that might be good for a couple of weeks, but it's just going to go away. It's going to wear off. Sentimentality will not last We just heard read about the peace that Simeon both experienced and even looked forward to on a greater scale. And this old and righteous Simeon knew that true hope, true love, true joy, true peace was not going to come just by drumming up new feelings about mankind. These things would really and lastingly come from a new man who would come to bring an altogether new world. We're not not told how old Simeon was when the Holy Spirit had come to him and told him that he wouldn't die until he saw the Christ. Perhaps he experienced this promise and heard this promise from the Lord at a young age, and he had been waiting for decades and decades and decades. Perhaps the Holy Spirit had told him just a few months prior. We don't know, but we know that he was waiting and that he was hopeful. He had biblical hope, not a wish based on something that he had hoped, just wished might come true, but a confident expectation based on what God had promised to him would come true. So when Joseph and Mary bring Jesus to the temple, this would have been 40 days after his birth, which this is probably further evidence uh, that the coming of the Magi in Matthew 2 was probably months, if not a year or longer after what all takes place here in Luke 2. Anyway, they bring, Mary and Joseph do, bring the 40-day-old, six-week-old Jesus to the temple, and Simeon sees him. Sees this young couple bringing the six-week-old baby to be dedicated to the Lord. They bring Jesus to the temple, and when Simeon sees him, he says, Now, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Now I can die in peace. I don't think he keeled over right then, perhaps even right after the text ends wrapping, tying a bow on his story. But now he's saying, now I have seen and experienced the promise of the Lord. I can depart, I can die in peace. This is a semi-famous phrase that we use, right? Oh, man, I, now I can die in peace. Uh, a somewhat famous Boston sports writer after the Red Sox won the World Series in 2004, wrote a book, and he titled it, Now I Can Die in Peace. And on some level, I I can empathize with that. Before I die, I would love to see the Texas Rangers win the World Series. Admittedly, it's not altogether infrequent that I don't lie awake thinking about how they were twice one out away six years ago. But what is the kind of peace that Simeon can now die with? What has happened to him? Is that he's, he's got his wish granted? That his favorite sports team has now won a sports championship? He can die in peace because he's finally found the one. He's experienced romantic love. He's gotten married or something. He can die in peace because he's finally gotten the promotion that he's been working so hard for. He's made partner at his firm. Now, finally, I've received the recognition, the acknowledgement from my peers and the world around me that I am something. Perhaps he's 
checked everything, the last thing off of his bucket list. I think that's what we tend toward thinking, right? Now, finally, I'll be able to die in peace. I'm 70 or 80 when I've done all the things. I've gone to all the places. I've jumped out of an airplane. I've climbed some 14,000-foot mountain. I've done all the things that I'd like to do before I die, and now, now, I can die in peace. No. Simeon can now die in peace because God has brought the consolation of Israel. He is waiting for the consoling, the consolation of Israel. What in the world is that? Well, he's waiting for the promise from God in Isaiah 40, where God, many centuries before, said to Israel, comfort, comfort my people. Console, experience consolation, comfort my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned. This is what he's waiting for. He's waiting to be consoled that his iniquity can finally and fully be pardoned, that his own internal and external warfare of the people can now end because God has come to bring peace. The entire temple system where Simeon is standing right now in Jerusalem has met its end, has met its fulfillment in a six-week-old baby. Simeon is standing here in this impressive building in Jerusalem, and yet he is holding the very temple of God in his hands. Amazing. He's holding the temple where the place where God comes to dwell with his people. He's holding the temple where God makes sacrifice for his people so that they can be made right before him. The place of peace where humans are no longer at odds with God because of their sin, because of their rebellion against him, but can now be considered his friend. Even better, can be considered his son or daughter. Now, now that he has held the very temple of God, the place where God has come to make peace with his people, now he can die in that peace. But notice what Simeon then says in verses 34 and 35. Maybe Jesus isn't just all dandelions and bunny rabbits and group hugs and world peace, is he? Behold, Simeon says, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. He will bring peace and yet he will also bring division. He will bring the revealing of humanity's hearts. Think about it. If a, if a person has an incurably sick heart, this person can become a candidate for a heart transplant, right? Uh, but you realize what you have to go through first before you get the healthy heart. It's an extremely painful, actually really violent surgery with a road of recovery afterward. Why would someone go through that violence? Like getting their sternum sawed in half. Why would you do that? One does not ask to get their sternum sawed in half, right? But you would do that because of what awaits the other side. The comfort, the life, the peace on the other side. And this is what Jesus will later call his followers to do, to die to themselves. To say, this sick and dying heart that has caused me to only love myself, to live for myself, to worship myself above all others. It needs to take, be taken out. It needs a transplant. 
It means the old and lingering desires that the old heart has pumped through my body and soul need to go with it. But life in Christ with a living heart that's alive to God, that's finally able to love him, that's finally able to love others, and finally able to experience a life of peace and joy, that's waiting on the other side, so that's worth it. Jesus has come as a heart surgeon. He comes with a surgically precise sword to give life and peace and friendship with God and with him. But he's able to wield the sword because he will first experience the sword himself. He's able to wield the sword and pierce our hearts because he was first pierced for our transgressions. He's able to cut because he was first cut off from the living for our sin. He takes the sword of his own death so that we can experience the acceptance of his life. Amazing, amazing news that has come to us in a manger in Bethlehem and that awaits Jesus as he is later cut off on the cross so that we can be by faith and by grace and the forgiveness of his death on the cross be grafted into the family of God. So this is a question for us this afternoon. Do we know the peace of God? Do we relish in the peace of God? Not just an emotional sentimentality of peace that's just going to wear off in a couple of days. Are you happy to acknowledge Jesus as king for a few days every December, but then put him back in the box, pack him back up in the attic until next December? If so, Paul Tripp is right where he says, it makes no sense, it makes no sense to celebrate the birth of Jesus when you, when you strive for spiritual independence. When we strive to live life apart from Christ as our king, it makes zero sense to sing the songs that we sang and to gather around the Christmas tree and exchange gifts. But if Christ is king, if we're willing to say that this baby is God himself, He's king over my life. He's come to live for me. He's come to die for me. He's, been, he's come to be cut off from God so that I can be brought near to God. Then celebrating his birth is much more than sentimentality. It's our very life. It's the, the life that we live in and grow in each day until he comes. And this is the good news of Christmas that is far greater than sentimentality. The good news of Christmas is that of great joy that we can have peace. Peace from needing to earn our salvation. Peace from needing to worry that we've never done enough to be right before God. Christ has done enough. All that has ever needed to be done for you and for me. If we trust him. So perhaps you're visiting Christ Church here for the first time this afternoon. We're really glad you're here. I think it's right for us to feel a sense to sing songs and to uh, come and be around people who worship God, even perhaps worship God ourselves for uh, around this time of year. So if that's true for you, you, you're just visiting this evening, perhaps you haven't been in a church in many months, many years even. We're really glad you hear, you're here. I just ask you this, would you consider joining us next Sunday as well? Would you perhaps not only consider Jesus' birth, but would you consider his life, his teachings, his death as well. Next week, Michael Kelshaw from Trinity at the Marketplace, another church in town, and perhaps my favorite preacher in Albuquerque will be here with us on Sunday evening. He'll be preaching from Psalm 90 as we move into a new year together. But then the following Sunday, we'll get right back into our uh, considering Jesus' life 
his ministry in the Gospel of John chapter 4. So we hope that we can see more of you as we together consider Christ. As for this afternoon, we, if we are trusting in Christ's life and his death, his resurrection on our behalf, then we can walk out of this building now with great peace. Peace with God. We can drive with peace. We can be with perhaps tonight or tomorrow in-laws that might not innately fill you with peace, but the peace of God can do that through and for you. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to sing to ourselves about the truth of the Christmas story, what it ought to do in us and then through us together. So let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you have not left this world to be condemned, that you have not left us far from you, that you have not left us at odds with you, but that you have come to redeem and reconcile a people, that you have come to adopt former orphans as all of us are apart from your grace. And that you have come to adopt us as your beloved children through Christ, our older brother. Father, we pray that we might see Christ for who he is, the high king of the universe. He who sits at the helm of the cosmos over our life and over every molecule in this universe. We might see him for who he is. And by seeing him, it would be very, very difficult for us to box him up, put him in the attic for 12 more months. But he, he might be growing and growing in our vision as king throughout the year. For his glory, for our good, for our peace, we pray. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged to deeper life in Christ through the preaching of this sermon. For more information about Christ Church, visit www.christchurchabq.com.